This is Score to Death Radio from the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. I'm Jay Blake Fischera, and I'm the author of the Score to Death books, which feature detailed interviews with 30 of horror's greatest composers. I'm also the host of Score to Death, the podcast, which features audio interviews with several more fantastic composers and can be found just about everywhere you listen to podcasts. Today, we have another very special episode as we continue our exploration into the music of one of horrors and Italy's most influential bands, which also happens to be one of my favorite bands of all time and one of the main inspirations for my first Scored to Death book. Of course, we are talking about Goblin. On the last two episodes, we took a deep dive into the band's early days and covered their soundtracks from 1975 through 1979 playing music from Deep Red, Suspiria, Dawn of the Dead, Patrick, Boyo Omega, and more. This is part three of a multi-part limited series that is exploring various aspects of Goblin's nearly 50-year career. On this episode, we will continue our journey through their catalog of soundtracks, as I once again try to unravel the band's complicated history and give you a bit of insight into the making of their scores, this time from 1980 through 2001. Like the previous episodes, all the information I will be discussing today is taken from my own interviews with Claudio Simonetti and Maurizio Guarini from my first Score to Death book, as well as from the knowledge I've gained over the last 20 years from reading various album liner notes and interviews, and most notably from Fabio Capuzzo's amazing book, Goblin, Seven Notes in Red, which is a must-read for all Goblin fans. We ended the last episode with music from 1979's Boyo Omega, also known as Beyond the Darkness, directed by Joe Diamato. By this point in Goblin's history, original band members, keyboardist Claudio Simonetti and guitarist Massimo Morante have left the band, yearning to do more than just score films. Simonetti in particular has found a new path in the world of dance music, writing and producing hit Italian disco records. Carrying on the Goblin name while scoring 1978's Patrick and 1979's Boyo Omega, bassist Fabio Pignatelli and drummer Agostino Morangolo brought in guitarist Carlo Panisi and asked former Goblin keyboard player Maurizio Guarini to lend a hand, who accepted the invitation, but only as a session player and not as an official band member. After the completion of Boyo Omega's soundtrack, Carlo Panisi leaves Goblin to join the band Parigio Special, and guitarist Roberto Paleo fills in as a session player for Goblin's next score, 1980's Contamination, a sci-fi horror film inspired by Ridley Scott's Alien, directed by longtime Dario Argento collaborator Luigi Cozzi. Goblin's score for Contamination is very much akin to what they had done with Patrick and Boy Omega. In fact, some of the cues used are actually recycled from the latter, but the original music they created for the film is strong and definitely on par in quality with their other work from that period. The band's following film is a weird little gem, and maybe the only time they were asked to work on a Hollywood project. A made-for-HBO movie titled St. Helens, about the 1980 eruption of the Washington Volcano. As far as I know, the soundtrack has never been officially released. But 
a track has turned up on the occasional Goblin compilation CD. It's also a score that keyboardist Maurizio Guarini told me was one of his favorite recording experiences, because the band got to work with a full orchestra for the first time. So let's take a listen to a few tracks from Contamination, followed by St. Helens. Thank you. 
We just heard The Q's Connection and Withy from 1980's Contamination, directed by Luigi Cozzi, followed by the opening theme from 1981's St. Helens, as well as The Q's St. Helens love theme. Drummer Agostino Marangolo's brother and frequent Goblin collaborator Antonio Marangolo helped with the composition of the St. Helens score, and Marco Renaduzzi was brought in to play guitar. The two return later to lend a hand on the score for a television series turned feature film titled Noturno. Before we dive into Noturno, it's important to note that after St. Helens, drummer and longtime member Agostino Marangolo leaves the band to join New Parigio, the next incarnation of Parigio Special, the jazz rock group that Carlo Panizzi left Goblin for. Now, keep in mind that at this point, Marangolo and Pignatelli are contractually the only two members of Goblin, making Marangolo's departure potentially catastrophic for the future of the band and its brand. But Pignatelli has the foresight to keep the name alive and makes an arrangement with Cinevox Records and its head, Carlo Bixio, to keep using the name. So for all intents and purposes, starting around 1981, Fabio Pignatelli is Goblin. Generally speaking, and especially here in the United States, I think Claudio Simonetti is widely regarded as the head of Goblin and their main creative voice. But the truth is, like any group, it really has always been a collaboration. But if we need to single out one member as THE Goblin, I personally will always point to Pignatelli. And that's not to take anything away from Claudio. I love Claudio and his work, both with Goblin and outside of the band, I've interviewed him. I've hung out with him. He's quite literally one of my favorite musicians and composers of all time, and one of my main inspirations to write the first Score to Death book. But Fabio Pignatelli was the only constant voice, both as a musician and composer. And he kept Goblin alive. And the music that he created both as part of Goblin and quote-unquote as Goblin proves that he really was and is not just a great bass player, but also a fantastic composer but I digress. For the band's next project, Pignatelli assembles a group of musicians featuring several previous Goblin members and collaborators, including Maurizio Guarini, Antonio Marangolo, and original Goblin drummer Walter Martino, and dives into a non-soundtrack pop album called Volo. But while working on Volo in 1981, he is asked to score a spy-oriented television series called Noturno. He, Maurizio Guarini and Antonio Marangolo composed the score, with Derek Wilson filling in on drums and Marco Renauduzzi returning on guitar. The show runs for seven episodes, and from what I've read, doesn't actually air until 1986, while a feature film version of it premieres in theaters in 1983. Let's hear a couple of tracks from 1983's Noturno.
We just heard bass theme, Nocturne Take 4, and Nocturne, from 1983's Noturno. Goblin is typically thought of as a horror music band, but as we've discovered throughout this series, they've scored their fair share of action and crime projects, and got to lay into their jazzier and funkier sides as well, like on La Via Della Droga, Squadra Anti-Gangster, and of course, Noturno. That last track we heard, Nocturne, had some not-so-subtle homages to not only their own Dawn of the Dead score, but also John Barry's 007 theme. In the meantime, Dario Argento has decided to once again return to the genre that made him famous, and is hard at work on a film that in many ways calls back to his earliest cinematic efforts, Tenebrae, and he feels that only the original lineup of Goblin can successfully score it. Simonetti is immediately enthusiastic about the proposition, but Pignatelli, who has been steering the band in a new direction and has been working with other musicians while under the Goblin banner, is a bit hesitant. He ultimately accepts the invitation, as does guitarist Massimo Morante, but drummer Agostino Moranglo declines. With Pignatelli controlling the Goblin name, the score and soundtrack album are credited as Simonetti Morante Pignatelli, and not Goblin as to not cause confusion or interfere with what Pignatelli has been doing with Goblin and their new record, Volo. Goblin and its members have always made an effort to stay at the forefront of musical technology. For example, utilizing the new Moog System 55 and an early primitive sampler for the Suspiria score. And Tenebrae is no different. The overall sound is electronic, with Simonetti's experience and interest in dance music seemingly steering the direction of the score's overall style. With the absence of Marangolo on drums, the trio decides to use a drum machine, though former Goblin drummer Walter Martino does add some percussion to the score as a session player. And Simonetti incorporates a vocoder to create the electric voice saying the word peora, meaning fear in Italian, during the main theme. Simonetti had used the vocoder a few years earlier in a song that he wrote and produced for the musical group Easy Going, called Baby I Love You. It helped to make the song a hit in Italy, so he decided to use it again on the score for Tenebrae. So, let's take a listen to a few tracks from Tenebrae. Oh, 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 
Before we go any further, we have to take a break, but we'll be right back after this. APM Music offers limitless potential for your creative content. No matter the genre or mood, all the music you need is on one platform. And you don't have to worry about licensing. APM's got that covered. Need help finding the perfect track? APM's dedicated music directors can deliver curated options designed specifically for your creative vision. APM's website uses best-in-class search technology, so finding the perfect track is easier than ever. Find your sound at apmmusic.com. On the air and streaming on the web since 1996, this is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Welcome back. I'm Jay Blake Fischer, and you're listening to Score to Death Radio on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. We just heard the cues Tenebrae, Flashing, Jane Mirror, and Gemini, Film Version Suite, from Dario Argento's 1982 film Tenebrae. This score, and especially its main theme, have grown in popularity throughout the 2000s, at least here in the U.S., when I was getting into the band 20-plus years ago, it seemed like their 70s scores were where it was at. But with all the 80s nostalgia these days and the rise of synthwave, there seems to be a lot more appreciation for Tenebrae's 80s synth sound, and it is definitely a fan favorite at Goblin and Claudio Simonetti concerts. Originally released in America as Creepers, Dario Argento's next film, Phenomena, is one that has also grown significantly in popularity in recent years. It stars Donald Pleasance and a young Jennifer Connelly as a girl who can communicate with insects. And it's mix of the supernatural and the giallo thriller aesthetic with a dash of plain old batshit crazy makes it easily one of the director's most unique films. Allegedly, Argento wanted Mike Oldfield to do the score. Of course, Oldfield is best known to horror fans as the composer of Tubular Bells. which was used in the film The Exorcist. And apparently, Oldfield was game, until he found out that Argento wanted to also incorporate heavy metal music into the soundtrack. During this mid-80s period, using a combination of existing songs and score was something that Argento did quite a bit. For example, other than Phenomena, he also did it with opera and the first two Demon films. Well, allegedly... The thought of having Phenomena contain a hybrid soundtrack rubbed Oldfield the wrong way, and he left the project. With deadlines approaching and no composer in place, Argento turns to Claudio Simonetti and Fabio Pignatelli, who end up working both together and separately to compose several themes for the film, under the Goblin banner. The soundtrack also contains music from Iron Maiden and Motorhead, as well as an excellent original theme from former Rolling Stones bassist Bill Wyman, titled Valley and composer Simon Boswell's first film, Q, titled The Maggots. The Goblin tracks are backed by former band collaborators Walter Martino and Marco Renauduzzi, and this score, and especially the main theme, are of particular significance because they mark the first time Simonetti uses a female soprano voice as an instrument in a film score, something that becomes somewhat of a signature for much of his future film work. So, let's now take a listen to a few of Goblin's tracks from Phenomena.
We just heard The Q's Phenomena, Jennifer, Jennifer's Friends, and Sleepwalking from 1985's Phenomena, directed by Dario Argento. As I mentioned earlier, Simonetti and Pignatelli did not compose all of The Q's together as a team. Of The Q's we heard, Simonetti composed the main Phenomena theme, Pignatelli composed Jennifer, and they collaborated on Sleepwalking and Jennifer's Friend. In 1987, Fabio Pignatelli and Goblin are contracted to score a television series called Rally. But unfortunately, its soundtrack has never been released, and I can't find any tracks from it to play. Their next project, however, is a favorite of mine. Michele Suave's 1989 masterpiece, at least in my humble opinion anyway, La Chiesa, or The Church. The film is produced by Dario Argento. And the story of its score begins with prog rock legend and composer of Argento's 1980 film Inferno, Keith Emerson. Apparently, Emerson asks Argento if he can do the score. Excited, Argento and Soavi accept the request, only to later be disappointed by the demos Emerson creates for the film's themes. Instead of firing Emerson, Argento and Soavi decide to use a few of his cues and turn to Fabio Pignatelli for help, asking him to also contribute to the score. Pignatelli agrees, and while under the Goblin moniker, decides to work totally alone, using keyboards and computers to craft a selection of electronic cues, and one of my personal favorite Goblin main themes. In the end, the film score ends up being made up of original music by Emerson and Pignatelli as Goblin, as well as some music by Simon Boswell, and a couple of pre-existing tracks by Philip Glass. Which is not surprising because Suave used Glass as an example of the kind of music he was looking for when originally discussing the score with Pignatelli. Let's listen to a few of Pignatelli's goblin cues from the church.
We just heard the cues La Chiesa, Lotte, and Suspense Chiesa 1 from Michele Suave's 1989 film The Church, also known as La Chiesa, produced by Dario Argento. 1989 and The Church mark the end of a chapter in the story of Goblin. And for a while, it looked like the final chapter. The various members of the band went their separate ways. Most notably, Claudio Simonetti became a successful film composer in his own right, working on films by some of Italy's most beloved exploitation genre filmmakers, such as Lucio Fulci, Enzo G. Castellari, Ruggiero Diodato, Umberto Lenzi, Lamberto Bava, and Dario Argento. There were talks of possible Goblin reunions over the years, like for Dario Argento's 1994 film Trauma, for instance. But it was an American movie. And the producers wanted Pino Donaggio to score it, because he was well known in the U.S. for his work with Brian De Palma. By the early 1990s, there just didn't seem to be much demand for Goblin anymore. However, change was in the air. The ways films were made, distributed, and accessed were changing rapidly. The decade saw the rise of the internet, and a revolutionary wave in home entertainment and VHS distribution. VCRs and cable TV were in almost every home. Video stores were booming. Horror conventions were finding their stride. Movie nerds turned indie film gods like Quentin Tarantino were publicly expressing their love for past exploitation cinema. And there was money to be made in reissuing obscure films from the past few decades. And DVDs were right around the corner. The internet brought message boards and chat rooms where people around the globe who were passionate about subjects like horror movies and progressive rock could virtually gather and discuss the things they loved. Cinevox even began reissuing Goblin's catalog on CD. And by the end of the 1990s, people are talking about Goblin again. The band even appeared in interviews for the original DVD releases of Argento's past films. And suddenly, a new chapter in the book of Goblin is being written. And with the 25th anniversary of Dario Argento's monumental Deep Red approaching, the Italian director decides to mark the occasion with yet another return to the thriller-murder-mystery giallo genre. Now, on a side note, you've heard me say that he returned to Giallo and breathed new life into the genre that made him famous, etc., a lot throughout this series. And I know that by now I must sound like the boy who cried wolf. But he did. He basically did it at least once every decade. And when he did it, it was usually a pretty big deal. So, the year's 1999. The anniversary of Deep Red is approaching. And Argento has written a script for a new film titled Non Hosono, also known as Sleepless, that will once again take him back to his roots. He will shoot the film in Turin, Italy, where he shot Deep Red, and he even adds Deep Red alumni Gabriele Lavia to the film's cast of actors. While attending a film festival in Spain, Argento tells Claudio Simonetti about his new film. Now, I should note that in my book Scored to Death, Claudio says that Argento asked him to score the film. And that it was Claudio who suggested to Argento that the classic lineup of Goblin should reunite to score it. As you can imagine, though, there are also many accounts reporting that it was Argento who wanted Goblin to do it all along. Whichever version of the story you want to go with, the important thing is that the band decides to do it. But from everything I've read, it does seem that Claudio is the one who approaches the other members of the band and made it happen. There are several alleged complications and stories surrounding Goblin reuniting at this time, including a scheduled appearance at a convention in New York that didn't work out, that as a New Yorker, I actually remember, and also a story about a wonderful composer named Goran Brekovic, who was originally hired to score the film and then let go, etc. 
It's all gossip that is very tempting to talk about, but I don't really think it's worth getting into for our purposes. If you want to learn more about this period, I highly recommend you get Fabio Capuzzo's book, Goblin, Seven Notes in Red. Again, the important thing is that Claudio Simonetti, Massimo Morante, Fabio Pinatelli, and Agostino Morangolo, the lineup of Goblin who brought us the legendary scores for Suspiria and Dawn of the Dead, reunite to score Dario Argento's new Giallo film. They enter the studio in October of 2000. But it reportedly doesn't take long before personalities clash and the issues that have plagued the band for years begin to emerge. I haven't spoken much about the interpersonal conflicts between the members of the band because there just isn't much documented about it. But as one who has played in several bands, I can tell you that when creative people work together, they often run into tension. And we're talking about guys who began playing together in their early 20s. When I spoke to Simonetti about working on the Non Hosono score, he said, quote, When I called them, meaning the members of the band, they came. And when they arrived, we had the same problems we had 20 years earlier. It's like if you go back to your ex-wife, the problems are still the same. End quote. To circumvent some of the creative clashes between members, the quartet splits into two teams. Simonetti and Morante work together in one studio, and Pignatelli and Marangolo work together in another. Then, after the cues are composed, the band works together to arrange and record them. Considering the manner in which the band composed it, and the fact that they spent decades apart moving in different musical directions, the result is a surprisingly cohesive score. It's a score that I'm actually quite fond of, largely due to the fact that it is Goblin filtered through a modern sound and modern musical technology. It's heavy and theatrical, and it doesn't sound like mid-70s Goblin but you can hear and recognize the evolution of the band. As we wind down this episode, let's take a listen to a few tracks from Non Hosono.
just heard the cues Non Ho Sono, Death Farm, Arpeggio and Titles, and Killer on the Train, from Dario Argento's 2001 film Non Ho Sono, otherwise known as Sleepless. As mentioned earlier, the cues were composed in teams. From what I can tell, Simonetti Marante composed the cue Non Ho Sono, while Pignatelli Marangolo did Killer on the Train. But there isn't much info about the other cues I played. If I had to guess, I'd say that Simonetti Marante also did Death Farm, while Pignatelli and Marangolo did Arpeggio and Titles. But I really don't know for sure. I'm just guessing from the way they sound. Anyway, this marks the last time that this lineup of the band recorded together. And though I usually say never say never, I have a feeling that it is probably pretty unlikely that Simonetti will ever record with the other members again. Since 2001, interest in the band has skyrocketed. 2005 saw Marante, Pignatelli, Marangolo, and former Goblin keyboardist Maurizio Guarini reunite for a non-soundtrack album titled Back to the Goblin. And just in this past decade, we've seen countless Goblin soundtrack reissues, and several different incarnations and combinations of the band touring throughout Europe, the United States, and Japan. We may get into all of that in a future episode, we'll see. But unfortunately for now, we're out of time. I hope you've enjoyed this detailed dive into Goblin's complicated history and their film and television scores. Full disclosure, I originally planned to only spend one episode on this aspect of their career, but it quickly blossomed into two and then three. There are other episodes I'd like to do about the band, but after this massive three-parter, I'm worried that people are a bit goblined out. So, if you're interested in potentially hearing episodes on subjects such as the soundtracks they played on as session musicians for other composers, and or their work on non-soundtrack albums, let me know. This has definitely been a very different show format for me, and though I had a lot of fun doing it, it was a ton of work. So let me know what you think overall. I'd love to get some feedback. But if you've been enjoying Score to Death Radio and you enjoyed this deep dive into the soundtracks of Goblin, do me a favor and spread the word on social media. And consider reviewing the show over on Cinematic Sound Radio's Apple Podcast iTunes page. If you'd like to see a full track list for this and every episode of Score to Death Radio, head over to the episodes page at cinematicsound.net. If you want to keep up with all things Score to Death, you can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Score to Death. And if you'd like to check out my in-depth interviews with Claudio Simonetti, Maurizio Guarini, and 28 other amazing film music composers, please pick up copies of my books, Score to Death, Conversations with Some of Horror's Greatest Composers, and Score to Death 2, More Conversations with Some of Horror's Greatest Composers, which are available in both paperback and ebook. And please consider checking out Score to Death, the podcast, where I also interview exceptionally talented composers without always sticking so strictly to the horror genre. And like this show, it is available just about everywhere you listen to podcasts. I'm Jay Blake for share, and you've been listening to Score to Death Radio on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Thank you for listening.
Thank you for listening to the Cinematic Sound Radio Podcast. I want to thank Tim Burton for providing his voice for all the bumpers you hear throughout the program, and to David Casina for providing Cinematic Sound Radio's theme music. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And wherever you're listening to us today, please take a moment right now to leave us a rating and a review of the podcast. You can get a Cinematic Sound Radio t-shirt at our Tee Public store. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash cinematicsoundradio. And don't forget to check us out on the web at cinematicsound.net. <laughs>